Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. All right, what's up, Cultivate Church? Can we put our hands together honor the Lord today? Can we do that together? Hey, welcome to all of you watching by the internet as well. Man, was that not incredible? Can we just give it up for our worship team, our production team? Man, what an awesome time to be together. All I've thought about all morning as we've been in worship was the power and the presence of God that is here brings so much potential to our lives of what Jesus can do in us right here, right now, and today. And I just feel uh, I just feel this sense of God wants to do something in our heart today. And so I hope that you lean in this morning and just whatever you need from the Lord, don't leave here without it. Come on, He's right here and He's here, he's here to meet with us. You went to the effort to get out of bed and to get here on church on Sunday. And I know some of you have had a long and a tough week, but you're here and we are honored that you're here. So if you're a guest hanging out with us, a church can be a scary place when you walk in for the first time. You don't know what to expect. Breathe easy. It's going to be a good morning for the rest of the day. It's already been a great day. And I want to honor all of our C team around here. Listen, you guys are what make this place the place that it is. You provide the atmosphere. You serve like crazy from preparing coffee in the parking lot and our children's ministry. And all of you who've served up here all week making this place ready for the day. We love you guys. Can we give it up for our C team as well? Come on. They're the best. Come on. They're good. Hey, I want to encourage you, as much as we've dove into uh, this morning and worship together tonight, come back and visit tonight at 5 o'clock. We don't do this, but just a few times a year, but tonight's our night of prayer and worship. Uh, we're going to come back, and uh, the worship team is just going to, I mean, if you thought this was good, and I did, they're going to take it up to another level tonight. It's going to be phenomenal. We're going to pray together. We're going to take communion together. And uh, maybe for some of you, the icing on the cakes, you don't have to listen to Doss or I. Come on, it's going to, you know, for some of you, I know that was a downer for most of you, but for a few of you. Uh, but it's going to be a good time at five o'clock. And so if you're going, well, I got the kids and they're crazy. We'll bring them in their pajamas. We got kids ministry prepared for them. They're going to have a good time and then throw them in the car, take them home, throw them in the bed. Deal done. Okay. That's the way you can do that. So make sure you're here tonight. It's going to be a really incredible time together. I want you to grab out of your worship guide today, your outline for today's message. And uh, we're in week four, the last week of our series that we're calling Hoarders. And if you've missed any of that, uh, I encourage you to go to cultivatechurch.tv. You can watch the videos or the messages there. There's even the message notes that you can download every week. Those are available for you online. Or if you love social media, you can check it out on Facebook or YouTube, or you can now listen at any podcasting source that you like. Whatever your source of podcasts are, you'll find Cultivate Church there. But you can catch up on all those messages. But we've been talking about the big idea of hoarding Holding on to stuff that's not good for us. Everybody's seen probably the show Hoarders, or you've seen a hoarder or know a hoarder, have experienced something in that degree that you hold on to something you shouldn't have. You pack stacks of things and piles of stuff that should have been gotten rid of, and it becomes to a point to where it's unhealthy. It causes damage in our life. And we see this in Scripture, believe it or not. Jesus talks about this actually in a gardening term in John chapter 15 on your outline. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. And this is beautiful. Remain in me 
and I'll remain in you. And this is Jesus talking in terms that they understood. And basically, he's saying, hey, if you want something to grow and produce, you got to trim away the things that are unhealthy. Because if something is unhealthy, it will prevent the healthy things from growing. So there are times you just have to cut some stuff away. When my wife and I bought our house uh, many years ago now, about five or six years ago, uh, when we moved in, the guy who lived there was like uh, double green thumbs, bright as you could get. He spent uh, every day, they said, our neighbors in the yard. He cut grass twice a week. And he had all these beautiful flowers that were that were planted. And as, as a matter of fact, he had them in seasonal. So like if one set of flowers would last three months and die, when those were dying off, he had a time where new ones would grow right after that. And there was all the time something new blooming. And it was beautiful at our home for the first two years. And then when it all finally died, uh, me being the very opposite of green, whatever that is, that's what I am. It's all dead. And my mom would come over and visit and she would look at the, at the plants and she would say, why don't you pull these dead bulbs off? And she'd say, if you pull these off, new ones will grow back. And I'd say, well, mom, I, I don't know anything about this. And she just said, if it's dead, get rid of it. That's what she told me. And then I was embarrassed one day because she was at my house and I looked out the window and she's in my flower beds. All my neighbors are watching my mother out there doing my gardening or whatever. And But she was telling me, look, if it's dead, just get rid of it. And that's what Jesus is trying for us to understand and what we've been talking about all month long. If there is something dead in your life, if you've got stacks of stuff that is harmful and causing you pain, if it's preventing good things from growing, get rid of it. And we've talked about all kinds of things this month from stress and worry, and we've talked about anxiety and all of these different things that we've talked about. And today, I titled your message, Secret Stacks, because I believe for a lot of us, we've got secret stacks of stuff that's on the inside that nobody knows about. And so here's my heart for us today as we wrap up this series, is that you take an inventory of your life and ask yourself today, what's in my life that I'm hoarding that nobody knows, that I haven't told anybody, that I really need to get rid of, and I've been dealing with it all month long, holding on to this thought. And today, I want to lead you through a process of what it looks like to hold on to it, the process of hoarding, and you can ask yourself through this whole thing, am I doing this? Have I done that? And then when we leave today, we'll see the difference of what it makes in our life when we get rid of the stuff. But before we dive into the Word, I want us to pray. And the only way you're going to get anything out of this today is if you let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And that just comes by clearing your heart, your mind, your emotions, and saying, God, I want to receive from your Word today, and I give you room to do it. So let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for all my friends in this room, all of those watching by the Internet. What a great day to be together. And I pray over this Word today that you teach us something God, that we believe changed. We are in your presence. You're here. God, the power of life change rests in this moment. Let us not miss it or take it for granted. So we ask you just to speak to us through your word and so it would transform our life and we would leave this place with a, with a clean slate, a brand new start. In Jesus' name, amen. So on your outline, you'll notice that today we're going to be in Joshua chapter 7. Uh, it's a story about a man named Achan. And let me kind of line this up for you. Some of you may remember from growing up in church, if you, if you grew up in church, the story of uh, the Jericho and the walls of Jericho. They marched around the walls and on the last lap, all the walls fell down. It's really military is what what's happening. It's, it's military uh, assignments that these people are on, and they're out fighting wars, and they're fighting battles. It just so happened at this particular battle in Joshua's in the sixth chapter, right before where we are today, uh, God said, look, don't, don't take any weapons. Go out there, walk around the walls, worship, and then uh, in, in so many laps, the walls are going to fall down, and you're going to win. And you know, everybody was like, 
Okay, okay, God, can I come again and say that one more time? Makes no sense. That's, that sounds crazy. He's like, now just trust me, just do it. So they do. And in a miraculous fashion, in only the way God can, they march around the walls, they fall down, they win the battle. It's, it's a huge victory. It's, it's, it's ginormous. So they're really, really pumped about this. They're, they're feeling really good about themselves, and now it's on to the next battle. But it just so happens that the next area that they're going to fight is small. It's like insignificant. They should be able to go through there and in a breeze take this city and, and win the battle and should be no problem. The issue is somebody named Achan, we won't point any fingers, but his name's Achan, has sinned. He disobeyed God because God told him before you go into Jericho, no matter what you see, don't take anything. So when the people are dead, when you're, when you're the man, when you rule the area, when you took Jericho, don't take anything out of the city. If you see something that you like, leave it on the ground because this is the principle. We don't want to take anything that is unhealthy and bring it into our lives. We don't want to take any sin, anything that will harm us, and take it with us. We want to be free of hoarding stuff that is bad for us. So he says, look, Anybody who does this, they're going to be destroyed. And not only is that person going to be in trouble, but everybody's going to be in trouble. You remember in school when somebody said, if you don't tell who did this, nobody's going to the playground, recess for nobody, and everybody sits in the room quiet. So they say, okay, we're all going to sit in here today. Nobody's playing on the playground. Everybody's in trouble because of one person's sin. And so they go to battle and they lose. They come back with their tails between their legs and they are astonished that they have lost, that what should have been so simple after a really big victory. And Joshua, being the leader, goes, uh-oh, somebody's in trouble. Somebody sinned and disobeyed God. And so he begins the investigation, and it leads us to Achan. And this is where the conversation picks up today on your outline in Joshua chapter 7, verse 21. And it leads us into what a hoarding habit is. And I want you to write down the very first step of a hoarding habit, and that's that I covet. Write that down, I covet, and I'll explain that to you. Because this is where it leads us to the very first thing that Achan has done in the battle of disobeying God, which caused the, caused the defeat in what should have been easy. This is what Achan's excuse was. He said, among the plunder, I saw, underline that statement, I saw, because that's important. He said, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon. I saw 200 silver coins. I saw a bar of gold. It weighed more than a pound. It was huge. You should have seen it. I wanted, underline that statement, I wanted. I wanted them so much that I took. Underline that statement, I took. This process of him explaining how he got himself into this trouble is he said, I saw it, I wanted it, and I took it. He said to his own words, it's, it's, a, it's a covet. I covet after them. And a covet is a desire exceeding reasonable limits. In other words, it's not bad to want stuff. Anybody would walk through there and went, man, there's a lot of stuff here. There's some good swords. There's some good shields. There's some good battle helmets. That's better than the one I'm wearing. That's a five-pound stack of gold. Of course, we're going to take that. But God said, don't remove it. It's not good for you. It's full of sin. Don't hoard something that's not from God. But he said, I saw it. I wanted it. I took it. I wanted it so bad. I had to have it. Listen, desire in our life, it's okay. Other than when it becomes destructive because your desires, listen, when they're converted to covetousness, it causes problem in our life. If you let your desires become covetousness, 
It causes a problem. So what does this look like? This looks like, okay, I, I, want, I want this relationship so bad, even though they're really awful. You know what I'm saying? You ever been there? I mean, like, she's not the prettiest, but I mean, she's really sweet, okay? I got a friend I want to set you over. She's really sweet. You know that's like when you run, guys, right? I'm just saying. I know that's shallow, but come on. None of you married anybody because you, you didn't see them first. Let's just be real, okay? And then you go, well, I mean, I, I, know I, shouldn't, I know I shouldn't spend this money. I don't really have it, but I worked hard today. I deserve this. I need it. And then you say something like, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just take one. I'll just use one, and I'll be good for it. But then suddenly one wasn't good enough, and I'm worth it. I feel good. We hold on to stuff that was never good for us, but it was the desire I saw it, I wanted it, and I took it, and suddenly I didn't realize the problem that it was going to cause me. Now listen, I began to study a little bit about this hoarding issue, and why do people do it? Why are people hoarding so much? And one of the things that I found, they said, look, we don't have a, we don't have a reason for it. We have not given a medical uh, explanation for why this happens, but we have some ideas. And one of the things they discovered is that people who've been through traumatic things in their life um, are, are, turn into hoarders sometimes. They get these hoarding tendencies. So like if there's a, a divorce or a loss of a loved one, you, you've lost someone, there's been a tragedy that's taken place. They said a lot of people now have a void in their life that they begin to try to fill with other things. There is this comfort in just taking and just having, whether it causes anything productive in my life, whether it's good for me or not, it's just this safety in gathering things. My dad passed away in 2010, and I started noticing a shift in some of my mom's habits. My mom is not a hoarder, but I can see some hoarding tendencies. I'm watching her closely. When my dad passed away, my mom was like, if, if it was my stuff, and she'd come to my house and she was tired of seeing it, she'd be like, it's time to get rid of it. Like, that's who she was. She was Danny Tanner from Full House. Clean the cleaning products. That was my mom. But when my dad passed away, I started noticing things sort of piling up. In her garage one day, I noticed a large box of candles. And I said, Mom, what are you doing with these candles? They were long, white candles. And she works at a wedding facility some. And she said, well, they, they use these candles for like nothing. And then they just throw them away. She said, so I took them home. She said, they'll be good for something. I said, what are you going to do with these candles? She said, well, I don't know, but I may use them one day. I said, Mom, you've got a box of candles that are useless. And then I look in the corner, and there's a big box of mason jars. I said, Mom, where did you get these mason jars? She said, well, they were going to throw them away at the wedding place. I said, Mom, you've got to quit the wedding place. I said, you got to quit the job. What are you going to do with that? I don't know, but they were good, and I might use them someday. And, I, and over the years, I've asked her, I said, I said, why are you doing this? And she said, I don't know. She said, I think back, and ever since your dad died, I've just been holding on to junk. And it is this need to fill a, a gap in our life. And I believe that most of us, whether you believe it or not, Jesus is what's missing. It's the fullness of Christ that is not here. And that's why we're holding on to a bunch of junk while we're holding stuff and hoarding stuff in our life that's unhealthy, but we're willing to hold on to it because we're trying to feel something that is missing in our life. And the more you hoard, the more you pile it up, the more you stack it up, the more trouble it causes. So I ask you today, could there be, is there something that you know and nobody else knows about that you're hoarding and you're holding on to? Some emotions, some feelings, some relationships, some friendships, some thoughts, some financial stuff. What, what is it that nobody knows? It's a secret stack that's been piled away somewhere 
that nobody's aware of, but only you today know that it's sitting there in this process of, I covet it, I want it. And then number two, here's what happens. I cover. I covet, I get, I want, and then I cover. Notice what Achan said. I think this is funny about hoarders. He, he begins to talk about the items he took, and Achan says, they are hidden, underline that word hidden, they're hidden in the ground beneath my tent. Now that's a good hoarder right there. With the silver buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua, he sent some men to make a search, and they ran to the tent. They found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said, with the silver buried beneath the rest. That is literally hoarding right there. It, it didn't even do you any good. You took it. You brought it. You piled it up. And it's not even adding benefit to your life. It's just there. Literally, he got all of this cool stuff, brought it home, lifted the tent, dug a hole, stuck it in the ground, put the dirt over it, laid the tent back down. Nobody could see it. Nobody knew it was there but him. And somehow, that gave him some sort of temporary satisfaction. Hoarding stuff internally is not doing anybody any good. It's not changing the circumstance. Maybe for that moment when you carried it with you, you thought, man, look what I've got. But suddenly you realized you couldn't walk around with it because you look weird, because everybody else knew it was weird, and you know it's weird, it's not healthy. So what do you do with it? You dig a hole and you stuff it down deep inside. You don't want people to know on the outside you're struggling, so you get the smile, you bury it inside, and nobody knows, and everything looks normal until it's not. On the surface, everything looks healthy, but internally it is a mess. Talking about hoarding, uh, when Jen and I moved out, we had a townhouse we used to live in in Trustville before we came to Shelby County to plant the church. And um, we've been renting it for years. And I, I'm telling you, if you rent a property, um, go home and pray. You should pray extra uh, because you should take care of what you, you rent. And, um, and I, so we'll talk about it after church if you need to. I got some tips for you. And um, if, you, if you rent a property out, God bless you. You know what I'm saying? You know, the devil's there every day trying to tempt you. And so I decided I'm done. I'm, I had a bad experience. I am, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to sell this property. I'm tired of renting and the market was coming back up. And so the tenant was moving out and my, I called a, a real estate friend. I said, hey, will you meet me at, the, at my townhouse? We want to walk in together. It's the first time I've been in it since she moved out. And I opened the door. It looked good on the outside. I pulled up. I said, okay, it's not bad. We're going to cut the grass. But I opened the door and I brought some pictures for you because I can't explain it. You just have to see it. What I found on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't even own it. Think about what I felt like. Okay. <laughs> And, and they'll just show you some of what was happening on the inside of this place. They were using trash bags and garbage for pillows. I don't know how you lived that way. The refrigerator, you could not have slid a toothpick inside of that refrigerator. And it's not like it was packed full of good stuff. It was packed full of molded food that was falling. You could barely get the refrigerator shut. And there I am embarrassed, standing with a realtor like, hey, you want to sell this and it's going to be great? I didn't know. I had no idea. I pulled up. I didn't even go in before she got there. I waited on her. I said, it's going to be fine. It looks good on the outside. But on the inside, things were out of place. Things were unhealthy. And so I'm asking us today, how, how much of us have, have covered stuff to where it's, it's unhealthy? It's, it's, it's unhabitable. You're, you're on the inside and you're kicking through trash just to get through your emotions in the day. See, most of us don't realize and I began to think about diseases and things that destroy our bodies. And I, I asked some uh, real uh, knowledgeable people on Google about this, and they found out <laughs> that around 74% of all deaths in the United States are caused by 10 different things. 74% of 
of deaths in the United States are caused by 10 things. Eight of 10 of those are all internal. Eight of 10 of the leading causes of death in America are all internal, meaning that I could be standing here talking to you today, and internally I may be sick and I don't even know it because it's on the inside. And yet, if it's not addressed, if it's not, if it's not dealt with from the root of it, it brings death to our lives. And so I'm asking you today to be real honest with yourself. What have I allowed to come in? What am I holding secretly and covering up so that nobody would know that is unhabitable for my life? And the third thing, it'll get better from here, I promise you, but for the third thing, I crash. And here's where the story ends for Achan. Joshua took all the Israelites and he took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had. If that boy spit on the ground, dig it up, bring it with us. Took everything he had. This is what they did. They brought him out in the valley. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family. And they burned their bodies. If you're a guest today, don't get nervous. We're not about to go anywhere. Okay? Somebody said, it's time to go. Get your purse, Myrtle. It's time to get out of here. Here's the principle. I read that and I said, man, I can't be right. I got to read that again. Like, God, you, you, peace and mercy and grace and kindness. What's happening here? But church, when we, when we leave things undealt with, it, it leads to death. God had specifically told them in chapter 6 when they went into the battle of Jericho, do not take anything because it will lead to your death. They knew it. They were warned, verbally told. God sent word to them, don't do it. It's not good for you. Don't hoard stuff that's not good for you. I'm not God, not Moses, and I'm not Joshua, but I am here today to tell you, don't hoard stuff. It's not good for you because it does lead to death. In the end, it leads to death. Write this reference down, James chapter 1, verse 15. The New Testament talks about it. It says that when, it says that when, we, when we desire something that's unhealthy and it is conceived, it, it, it conceives sin. And as it grows, it grows to death. So it's no different than letting things that are unhealthy be conceived and give birth into sin. And to let that sin continue to grow in our life because eventually it leads to death. So I'm just asking us today, what possibly are you holding on to, hoarding, that is leading you down a path of destruction? Now here's the beautiful news, I told you to get better, is that there's really nothing left for you to do besides make a decision that I'm not going to live this way anymore. i got to clean some stuff up. The beautiful thing is that God sent His Son Jesus it's a true story. It's not a nursery rhyme. It's not a fable. He sent his son Jesus to this world to be born, to live and to die so that our sins are forgiven. So you may be in here in this room going, man, you have no idea what's behind the closed doors. All I have hoarded. I can't even live in there anymore. That's why I don't sleep at night. That's why I can't hardly breathe. That's why I can't hardly function because I've already filled up so much. There's nothing left. But I can tell you that that's why Jesus came to bring freedom for that. And that freedom is available today if only we make a decision to give it to him before we leave this place. In doing that, 
Man, it brings some benefit. It makes some, some things possible for us. I want you to flip your outline over. And I want to tell you that if you do that today, if we make a decision to leave this place, pray together, I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to get rid. I'm going to begin the process of cleaning out some of this stuff that is unhealthy in my life. This is what happens. Number one, it makes more room. Imagine that. If I clean some stuff out, it makes more room. That hoarding tendency you got, clean out so you can get something else. But let me show you what the difference is. Joshua 8 and 1, after they've dealt with Achan, they've rid themselves of the sin. They've cleaned house. They've gotten rid of the things that have been hoarded, all the sin. Then the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men back and attack. For I've given you the king, his people, his town, and his land. Hey, Joshua, you just got your tails whipped, man, I know. But don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Go back, because this time... You've, you've gotten rid of the stuff that's been hoarded. You've cleaned the house. You get the king. You get the land, and you get the people. You know why I love why God said, hey, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged? You know why? Because he knew our tendencies. Joshua was scared. They disobeyed God. They'd just been defeated. You know what he was about to do? He was about to hoard some fear, and he was about to hoard some discouragement because he had faced some difficult stuff, and that's our pattern. When we go through something, when we face something, and we're not sure of what to do, and we get afraid, we begin to hoard that fear, and we begin to hoard that worry, and we begin to hoard that thought, well, I failed before, so why try again? I couldn't do it then. I can't do it now. And we begin to do all this, and God said, hey, listen up. Don't do it clean house, get rid of it. This is your day. This is your time. Go back in and you get the people. Imagine that. You couldn't do it before because you didn't have room. You hoarded the wrong stuff in the camp, but this time it's clean. You made some room. Now when you go in, you get some more stuff, but you get the right stuff. You get the stuff that I want to give you. I'm not anticipating you to do what you need or get what you need. You're going to get what I've got prepared for you. So get rid of some stuff and then make room for God to do something miraculous in your life. Secondly, write this down, is you get more reward. With more room comes more reward. I love this. God says, you will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. And this is when it gets good. But this time, underline the statement, this time. You know what that signifies? It's different. I know you did it last time. I know you went there. I know you failed. I know you feel like a failure. I know you're worried. But this time... This time, this is what I want you to do, you can keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. You see a bar of gold, you can put it in your pocket, take it with you. You see a robe, put that bad boy on and say, look what I got. You see a, a sword you like, sling it around, boy, like you a ninja turtle, baby. I'm talking like whatever you see, it belongs to you. Why? Because we say it around here all the time. Obedience opens the door to what? Blessing. My way brings pain and pressure every time. But when you give it to God, listen, He is able to exchange it for peace and promises. You walk it your way, you've you got pain, you experience, you got pressure of dealing with it all. Listen, Jesus, His peace and His promise goes with you. He says, if you want it, take it with you. The problem is, many of us are doing this right here. We've got our fist clamped around what's in our life right now. And we're so afraid to let it go because it's got some kind of sentimental value. I mean, like that rotten uh, loaf of bread. I felt so good that day when I got that rotten loaf of bread. 
It was so, you know what I'm saying? Like we got all this stuff and you got a reason why you're holding on to it. What if, what if, I, what if I let go? I mean, I, I love him. You don't really because you feel miserable. Now I ain't talking to married people. There's something, there's, there's counseling for you. Come on now, let's stick with it. But we're holding on to this, and let me share the principle of God with you. The principle of God says that when you let it go and, and you give it to him, that he's able to return it with something else. And if I understand the principle of sowing and reaping and, and, the, and the principles that God gives, he says that when he gives it to me and that I'm a blessing to somebody else and I let my hands go, what's it do? It opens up for something fresh for God to put back into my hand and I take it to somebody else and I release a blessing and then suddenly my hands are empty again and God goes, you know what? This is a pretty good system. You're working out okay. Let me give you a little more and he puts a little more in my hands and I give it away and suddenly my hands are open and he gives a little bit more. The Bible says, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with what? Much. But the problem is, oh, I got it. I may not get any more, so I'm going to hold on to this. Can I tell you, I don't care how long you try to maintain that gallon of milk that's in your refrigerator. There is an expiration date on it. I'm a milk saver. Some of you fly through it. I know how many cups I get to get a month out of a gallon of milk. That's just me. I'm just telling you. But if I don't do it and get it done by the due date, or the expir- I call it a due date. That's when it's due, okay? That's, that's when it got to be done. It's an expiration date to the rest of you. It is still going to stink whether it is full or whether it is empty. Stop sitting around with stuff that's got an expiration date in your hand. When God is just saying, when you let it go and you follow me, don't hoard it. I'm going to bless you with more. Next time, take what you want because you're going to be faithful with it. He knew Joshua was going to be faithful. So you make more room for more reward, which leads us to number three and the most important, more reliance. More reliance. So here's what happens. Joshua does what God said. They go back to the city. They clean house. They come back like they're heading to MTV Cribs. I mean, they got their stuff. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they got it together. And then when they get back to camp, Here's what Joshua says. Everybody get your stuff. You all look good. I like your new hats and crowns and jewelry. Just bring it all in the camp. Sit down. He said, get comfortable because we're going to be here for a minute. Because in verse 34 of chapter 8, this is what it says. Joshua then read to them all the blessings and all the curses Moses had written in the book of instruction. It was what they had of the Bible at the time. Every word of every command that Moses had ever given was read to the entire assembly of Israel, including the women, the children, and the foreigners who lived among them. This is what Moses, uh, Joshua was saying. Hey, look, we ain't going to get this wrong again. We lost because we forgot this. Today we are blessed because we followed this. And so it's worth it today for us to sit here and, uh, and stay awake because I'm watching you. I can see. Stay awake. We're going to read this and we're going to know it. Joshua did it because he knew God's way was the best way. God's way is the best way. Never forget what the Word of God says. My life has to live by the Word of God. I am to conform to this Word. I'm never to have the Word conform to me. And the day I do it, I'm hoarding things that are unhealthy in my life. So I'm asking you today, what needs to go so you can make more room. The rewards that you're looking for, the blessings that you're praying for, the reason some of us can't get it is because we haven't made room for it. 
Make room and then watch God show up and bless your life. And as long as we always return to the source of our blessing, church, and never forget why we're here and who we're here for, you'll never find room in your life for that worry, for that pain, for that heartache, for that, you name it. It's always going to be something that we walk through and that we deal with. But it's my decision if I open the door and I provide a place for it. Or when that pain comes or I get a chance to be bitter or mad or angry, and I go, you know what? I check my heart and I ain't got room for that today. I already got it filled with the blessings and the promises of God. There's, there's no room for that stuff. So God, you got to help me get rid of it. Let's clean out the camp. So I want to pray for you today because I believe that today God wants to do that for somebody in this room or somebody watching online. I want to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes, and our team's going to come back and play softly. And if you're our guest today, nothing weird or funny is going to happen. Nobody's coming to get you. We're just going to pray together. And there's two things that I want to pray for today, and I wholeheartedly want this just to be a moment between you and the Lord. In this room, listening online, watching, this is our opportunity to be honest with the Lord. And I'll be honest, there's nothing I can do for you today. But Jesus can do everything. And so the first thing I would ask is maybe you're here or watching online and you go, well, I haven't even said yes to Jesus. I've not even begun that process in my life. Well, today's your lucky day because I want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you have it all together and you're in great company because neither are we and neither do we. But Jesus just wants you. He wants to begin that process with you today. He wants to take those sins. He wants to clean that house and help you provide all the room for all the stuff that he has for you. And then maybe some of us are in here and we're just holding on to stuff. And throughout this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit just prompted your heart. And you realize there's some stuff that's still buried. Even through, even through the whole month of diving into topics, You've been wrestling with some things, and today is your day to go, I need to, I need to address it. God, help me. I want to pray for you. And I'm just believing that because of the presence and power of God that is here, there's potential for life change. And I believe you can leave with it today. Peace of mind, peace of heart. So, Father, today, for any of us who need a relationship with you, Jesus, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. We fail, we sin, we fall short, but we know that we need you and you provided forgiveness on the cross. So we accept that today and we thank you for it. We choose to commit our life to you and to live for you. We're going to leave this place discovering what it means to live life on purpose and to be a follower of Christ. And God, for any of us who are just carrying heavy burdens, we know we have filled the house with stuff. And today we need to make more room for you. Father, I pray that you take fears, worries, failures, pain, addiction, heartache, relationship issues, Father, financial issues. God, you name it. There's so much that we carry. We're weak, but you're strong. 
And so we cast it on you today. And we ask you to replace all of those things with your hope and with your peace, with your possibilities, of the things that you can do in our life. And in the process, we're going to celebrate you because we know it comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can we honor the Lord together? Can we do that?